I'm Rob Hennett with the H-Triangle Ranch in Pearsall, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. This is Texas Ag Today, the number one source for the latest news in Texas agriculture. The largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State covers it all. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Here's today's top stories. It's been a little more than a week since the Texas High Plains experienced a fairly long stretch of very, very cold temperatures. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll bring you some observations on how well area ranches made it through those extremely chilly days. The string of rainy days across Texas last week created a lot of flooding issues in rural Texas. We'll go to Fayette County to hear more from a rancher in that region of the state on Texas Ag Today. The Coastal Bend area is experiencing the wettest January since 2016, and that has sparked a lot of optimism among farmers and ranchers. This is Harvey Buring reporting from the Corpus Christi area. Now, here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Why don't you jump on in with me and buckle up? We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. Be sure to hold on tight because it all starts right now. Wheat farmers in East and Central Texas and in the Rolling Plains have dealt with increased Hessian fly infestations for the past couple of years. Tyler Mays is an AgriLife Extension IPM specialist for Hill and McLennan counties, and he says it's been a growing problem. Yes, sir. Over the last probably two wheat production cycles, we've seen a growing increase of the Hessian fly impacts on yield in pretty much across the whole central Blackland region. And what's causing that? So some issues that encourage it are actually uh, warm winter and uh, early spring weather, uh, rainfall, in early summer or late summer throughout the winter that will actually help that fly emerge as an adult, emerge as an egg, and actually establish a successful feeding site. When we get conditions where we see drought conditions where we'll impact our tiller capacity of our wheat, we'll see fewer tillers and we'll see more hessian fly per tiller in those situations, creating a pretty significant yield loss as well. Mays says there are several things growers can do to manage the hessian fly problem, such as planting later in the year and using resistant varieties. Cattle prices were higher in 2023, while small ruminant prices struggled for much of the year. But there is hope for even better prices in 2024. That's according to Dr. David Anderson, a Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service economist. Dr. Anderson will be the featured speaker in an upcoming webinar on predictions for 2024 Texas livestock markets. The webinar will focus on state and national trends for cattle, sheep, and goat markets. It will be held from noon to 1 p.m. February 1st online. Cost is $35 and pre-registration is required. You can register at agriliferegister.tamu.edu. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, 
I'm Jessica Domel. The Texas Beef Council is partnering with Texas-based Brookshire Brothers grocery stores throughout the Lone Star State to promote beef purchases by highlighting beef as a meal solution for busy families. Beef cuts at 120 Brookshire Brothers store will feature new on-package labels with the logo of Beef Loving Texans, which is the TBC's consumer-facing brand. The labels will include a recipe and cooking instructions for grilling, stir-frying, slow-cooking, broiling, and marinating. The labels aim to encourage beef purchases for celebrations like spring cookouts and summer grilling, but also to showcase beef's everyday role in convenient, budget-friendly meals. The Texas High Plains has seen some very cold temperatures this winter. James Hunt has a follow-up on the most recent hard freeze. It definitely still feels like winter in the Texas High Plains, but recent days have been much nicer than the prolonged Arctic chill we endured in the middle of this month. Now that there's been some time to assess things, I asked Texas A&M AgriLife beef cattle specialist Jason Smith how well area cattle came through that period of intense cold. I think the recent weather we've experienced is a very good reminder of how incredibly tough and resilient cattle are. And as a whole, I think the area cattle have fared very well through the recent weather conditions. I expect that for some of our early calvers, there'll be some short ears and some short tails in calves. But by and large, I think cattle have made it through those conditions very, very well. I think there'll probably be some producers that critically evaluate and rethink how early they're calving. If they were calving in the middle of some of that weather, I think there'll probably be some additional investment in water trough resources to try to keep waters open because I think that was probably our major challenge keeping water troughs open for cattle and keeping our equipment running and not gelling up so that we can actually get out to open up that water trough. I think those are probably the major challenges we experienced. The cattle as a whole fared pretty well. So pretty good news overall. I also asked Dr. Smith how well forage is holding up on area ranches. If we've been very cautious about restocking and not restocking too early, my observation has been a lot of our operations are still in fairly good shape in terms of forage availability. Those that may have restocked early on are probably in situations where they're experiencing some limitations. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The rainy days across much of our state have caused flooding in some areas. Tom Nicoletti looks at one spot in Texas that has gotten more rain than anywhere else. My guest today is LeMay Higgs. She raises Hereford cattle and hay in Fayette County, located about halfway between San Antonio and Houston. Now, LeMay, rain uh, that has uh, fallen in your county over the last several days has ranged from seven and a half to 12 inches, uh, depending on location. And it's still raining as uh, we conduct this interview. How has this huge volume of rain in such a short period of uh, time impacted your ranching operation out there? 
Well, certainly we have significant issues with low water crossing. Just a, a week ago, we had no water in our dams due to, you know, we've had a terrible summer dry and heat, and now everything is overflowing. So it's quite a different world at the moment. I was just talking to a neighbor who raises longhorns, and she said, you know, they've got two new babies born. I've had three new babies born this week, and you can't get out there to check on them because it's just too much water in the pasture. Approximately how much rain have you received over this given period of time? We've had 8.45 inches here at Swiss Alp, which is kind of midway between LaGrange and Schillenburg. And our neighbor who keeps records says that around us it's between 8 and 14 inches has been recorded. What about your cattle? How are they faring in all of this wet environment? They're standing there pretty deep in water in a way. Not dangerous for drowning or anything, but the pastures kind of look like lakes and the normal little streams are looking like rivers at the moment. They definitely are just kind of hunkering down for a duration. What about getting feed out to the cattle? I put out round bales ahead of time. That is cattle rancher LeMay Higgs in Fayette County. I'm Tom Nicoletti for the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Coastal Bend area of Texas is experiencing the wettest January in several years. Harvey Buring has this update from Corpus Christi. Farmers and ranchers in the Coastal Bend region are very pleased with the prospects for a good start to the upcoming growing season this spring. And much of that optimism is due to the generous rains that we received. It's blanketed our entire area for the past week. Now, according to my rainfall records, we've only had three years when the January rainfall amounts were greater than one inch. That means seven of those years, they were lower. And we've had some pretty marginal crop yields during that 10-year period as a result of low rainfall. Now, we're only 27 miles away from the National Weather Service's reporting station in Corpus Christi. They indicate that the mean average for January rains in the Corpus Christi area should be around 1.4 inches. But the further west you go, the lower the rainfall, and much of the farming area is west of that reporting station. I've always said it's a bad omen in the coastal bend when our two major junior livestock shows in this area, Nueces County and San Patricio County, don't experience some wet, muddy conditions, and that has held true. But area farmers this year are looking forward to possibly planting some corn. That usually occurs in mid-February, but this year there may be more corn planted if cotton prices do not increase. Reporting for Texas Ag Today from the Coastal Bend area, this has been Harvey Buring. For the first time since 2019, there will be a waterfowl symposium in Texas. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And how much water do sheep and goats require? Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a look at that coming up. These stories plus a look at the markets are straight ahead on Texas Ag Today. National FFA Week is February 17th through the 24th. 
a week set aside for FFA students across the country to share how FFA impacts members every day. I'm National FFA President Amara Jackson from Michigan. What better way to show your support of FFA members than to get involved in FFA Week? Whether it's in person, on the phone, or via social media, be sure to share your FFA stories during hashtag FFA Week, February 17th through the 24th. We're heard on over 140 great Texas radio stations. This is Texas Ag Today on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. How much water do sheep and goats require? Dr. Bob Judd says that's sometimes an overlooked question. The Sheep and Goat publication indicates most people think more about feed than water, and water is really important. And while sheep and goats do not require as much water as cattle per animal, they do need adequate amounts of water. Sheep will consume one-half to five gallons of water per day, depending on their physiological state and environmental conditions. They usually need one to 1.5 gallons of water for every four pounds of dry matter consumed, as water intake is positively correlated to feed intake. Goats require one to three gallons of water per day and drink about four times more during the day than at night. As you can see, these are wide ranges of water needed. So be on the safe side, I would recommend having maximum amounts of water available, as it is better to have more water than the animals need to prevent dehydration. The source of water is also important, as sometimes surface water is not good quality, and this can affect feed consumption and the animal's health. Lots of surface water has an increased salt content and can even contain toxins. So testing the surface water may be important in some cases. Groundwater pumped from wells is usually higher quality than surface water, but can also contain lots of salt as some deep wells in West Texas can be too salty for livestock consumption. Annual water testing is recommended for private wells by collecting a sample and sending to a lab. Harvested rainwater works really well for livestock, and there is equipment available to accomplish this task. Rural water systems are great for livestock, but generally will require backflow prevention valve and sometimes an air gap when using this as a water source. I'm Dr. Bob Judd, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. For the first time since 2019, there will be a waterfowl symposium in Texas. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. We're now just a few days away from the Texas Waterfowl Symposium. The event, which is hosted by the Texas Wildlife Association and the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, will be February 1st and 2nd in Corsicana. Jared Schlotman, TWA Conservation Education Specialist, says the event will bring together some of the foremost experts on waterfowl ecology and management to discuss a variety of topics surrounding ducks and geese in Texas. The first day will be all presentations, it'll be all indoors. And the second day of the tour will be on a Friday morning. We'll be visiting two field tours, one on Richland Creek and one on Gus England Wildlife Management Areas. Both these WMAs are, are managed by Texas Parks and Wildlife with waterfowl wintering ground in mind. So the two sites offer different and, and unique habitat characteristics from moist soil units over at Richland Creek to the flooded timberland at, at Gus England. They both hold a high number of waterfowl and, and we're excited to, to get to show folks and, and teach them about what kind of management strategies the state's employing to improve that habitat and, and we're excited. We ought to be able to see a decent number of waterfowl on the landscape. Cost is $70 for adults and $45 for students. Anyone can join. Of course, it is primarily targeted towards landowners, hunters, 
bird watchers, academic researchers, uh, nature enthusiasts, professional biologists, or honestly, anyone who has any sort of interest in waterfowl or, or waterfowl habitat management. All are invited, but, but we do kind of target those kind of folks. Again, that event is February 1st and 2nd in Corsicana. Probably the best way to register, honestly, just visiting us online at texas-wildlife.org backslash TWS. You can get to that page just by simply Googling Texas Waterfowl Symposium. You can just register at at the door if you want to show up. We'll, We'll take cash or check there at the door. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domal. We'll check the markets coming up next on Texas Ag Today. National FFA Week is February 17th through the 24th, a week set aside for FFA students across the country to share how FFA impacts members every day. I'm National FFA Secretary Grant Norfleet from Missouri. What better way to show your support of FFA than to get involved in FFA Week? Whether it's in person, on the phone, or via social media, be sure to share your FFA stories during hashtag FFA Week, February 17th through the 24th. Here's the latest market information on Texas Ag Today. Cattle futures finished higher on Friday. We wrapped up the trading week with February live cattle up 72 cents, 178.45. The April up 97, 181.67. With June live cattle up $1.25, 178.85. Feeder cattle seeing nice gains again Friday. March feeders up a dollar fifty-two, two thirty-nine seventy. April up a dollar sixty-seven, two forty-five sixty. With May feeder cattle up a dollar ninety-two, two fifty-one seventeen. Cash-fed cattle trade wrapping up the week here in the Southern Plains, selling cattle at one seventy-four to one seventy-five. That is one to two dollars higher compared to the previous week. In the Northern Plains, they had live sales range from one seventy-five to one seventy-seven and a half. Dressed sales mainly at two seventy-seven. Those prices two to four dollars higher compared to the previous week. Boxed beef was higher on Friday. Choice up a dollar eighty-seven, three hundred dollars fifty-five cents. Select up a dollar twenty-nine at two eighty-nine fourteen. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. My guest, Doug Bass, Cattleman's Brenham, sells them on Wednesday. Doug, how was this week's sale? We are on the line with Doug Bass, Cattleman's Columbus. Doug, how did the sale go? I tell you what, they we, we had a decent sale for numbers. I mean, we had a little under 400, and I, I never thought we'd have got that far with the rain we had, Mr. Larry. We, we had uh, up to a foot of rain around us, and uh, thankful for it, though. We needed We got a good, filled everybody's tanks up, and creeks are running, so we, we, we definitely needed that kind of rain. Good. Walked pins with us. Yes, sir. Uh, on your weighing cows, packer cows and bulls, thinner, lower yielding cows, 68.79. Medium flesh cows, 80 to 89. Better high yielding cows, 92 to 109. Well, thinner, lower yielding bulls, 90 to 108. Better high yielding bulls, 110 to 121. Had just a handful of little bred cows yesterday to bring 1350 to 1500. <clears throat> the calf market looked really good. Two to three weight steers, 250 to 352. Heifers, 245 to 330. Three to four weight steers, 240 to 352. 
Heifers 230 to 312, four to five weight steers 230 to 312, heifers 225 to 280, five to six weight steers 210 to 292, heifers 210 to 257, six to seven weight steers 205 to 243, heifers $2 to 220, seven, eight weight steers 195 to 230, heifers 190 to 205, and your 800 to 1,000 pound steers and bull yellings bring 165 to 190, heiferets 140 to 170. Well, it sounds like you had a good sale. What was the count? 398. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you. Yes, sir. Uh, you can call me on my cell, 979-877-4454 or at the office, 979-732-2622. Doug Bass, we appreciate you. I'll be careful. Yes, sir. Thank you, Miss Larry. We'll see you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And neighbor, we want you to take care, too, and come on back to Walking the Pins here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. Thanks for listening to us right this second on Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures market now, where lean hogs finished higher on Friday. February hogs up 62 cents, 74.92. The April up 70 at 83.25. Class 3 milk was higher. The nearby January contract up a penny, 15.21, 100 weight, with February milk up 25 cents, 16.11, 100. The cotton market dropped lower on Friday. Profit-taking and grower fixation selling both weighing on the market. March cotton dropped 139 points, 84.37. May cotton down 135 points at 85.63. With new crop December cotton down 53 points, 80.62 cents. Corn finished lower on Friday with good rain and a good-looking weather forecast for Brazil weighing on the market a bit. March corn down five and a half, 446 and a quarter. May corn down five and a half, 455 and three quarters, with September corn down a nickel, 468 and a half. The wheat market had seven straight days of higher closes, but that all ended on Friday. We closed the week out lower with March Kansas City wheat down 12 and a quarter, 624 and three quarters. New crop July down nine and three quarters. 623 and a quarter. Soft wheat, same thing in Chicago. July, Chicago wheat down 11 and a quarter, 616 and a quarter. In the energy markets, February natural gas was up 10 cents, 267. March, West Texas crude oil up 70, 7806 a barrel. The financial markets were mixed Friday afternoon. The Dow up 63 points, 38,112. The Nasdaq down 42, 15,467, with the S&P down a point, 4,892. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for joining us for Texas Ag Today. Be sure to follow the Texas Ag Today podcast found wherever you listen to podcasts. For more Texas farm and ranch news, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.